I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. It is time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by their success because their stories can offer you direction and help you reach your goals, but you have to have your own plans and you have to have your own committed effort. My interviews that I do on Money Making Conversations for the consumer and business owner offer access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and what I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is a combination celebrity and an industry decision maker. He's Jason George. He's starring in the mid-season return of Station 19 that airs on Thursday, March 11, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ABC. George is also known for his work as a regular of Mistresses, Eve, Off Center, and Eli Stone, as well as films Witches of East, East East End, excuse me, The Climb and Barbershop. After several years on Grey's Anatomy as Dr. Ben Warren, George turned in his scrubs for firefighter gear when his character helped start the spinoff hit action drama series, Station 19, about heroic firefighters. Now, George moves seamlessly between both series. We'll be talking about his career from comedy to soap operas to drama to action adventure and acting and production during COVID-19. Please love, welcome to a man I've seen many, many years, always from afar, always wanted to cast him on my show, but he was always working, Jason George. <laughs> How you doing, Jason? How you feeling? 
Oh, good, good, good. You know, when I say that, man, you know, because we all, uh, I know I started writing back in 92 on my first sitcom on ABC with Steve Harvey. And then I went to uh, uh, the Robert Townsend and then I did Arsenio's mm-hmm. ABC series. The greats. And, the greats. Absolutely. And, but all the time I saw you working. You was always busy. And, and I like to believe that you, you, you've had a working man's career, which is a blessing because of the fact it's a testament to your talent. But this is not what you wanted to do or, or was supposed to do law was supposed to be your your destiny correct yeah 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 that's exactly it um i had gotten with the vice principal of my high school mm-hmm. was uh but, but you know i was like i was a good student but i was also a cut up so mm-hmm. i'd be like getting good grades but in detention all the time right. and <laughs> the vice principal would be like why you want to you know he was one of the few black men i saw in education at the time mm-hmm. my mother was a teacher where i grew mm-hmm. up and uh and mr hassel would put me aside and he'd be like why, why are you making me want to give you detention? Why are you trying to get detention right. all the time? And then right. he would like actually sit there and talk to me like I was an intelligent human being. Right. And then say, you got detention, but you got potential as well. And uh, and his son was, he passed away my senior year, right. uh, Mr. Hassel, my vice principal. And his son was only the second uh, black Supreme Court justice of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, he was, and he was the youngest Supreme Court justice that Virginia had ever had. Mm-hmm. And his son and I got to be good friends. I and mean, he became my mentor. And basically the plan was you go to college. You get the grades. I'll write the recommendation, get you into the best law school we can get you into. Mm-hmm. You come back, you clerk for me, and then you're a made man as a lawyer in the state of Virginia. And you're right. done. Mm-hmm. Career right. ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And then I went to college and took an acting class, and it all went to hell. Right. Uh, I had to, <laughs> I called an audible, uh, changed up the plan, and I never told my father that I was going to go to uh, graduate school to study acting. Because my, right. uh, my father was checked out for a bit. My mom and I had a really beautiful conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And then I had to talk to the judge. Uh, he was you know, the, the, one of the big male role models in my life. And I had to tell the judge and it was just stone cold silence on the phone for a minute. He was, mm-hmm. uh, he was right. not feeling it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but fortunately it worked out and years later, signed some autographs for some people in his office and we were cool. We right. were cool. You, know, you know, so Jason, it's really interesting because when I, when I talk about individuals like you, who sometimes people see a different direction and sometimes people get trapped in that direction that people want you mm-hmm. to go. And I, I know that, uh, I was at IBM. I had a degree in mathematics. And so everybody was happy. They thought that was the career path. And I decided one day uh, I want to be, I want to pursue my career as a stand up comedian. So a lot of people looked at me strange. How are you going to walk away from IBM? You got a math degree that has nothing to do with telling jokes. How were you made that? So I can understand when you said there was silence on the phone because that wasn't the vision that person had for you. And right. and you encounter that a lot because you do a lot of community work. You work with young people. You work in the. You try to shape people's lives. Does your life come into play when you're giving people advice? All the time, all the time. I try and tell them. I say, look, um, you got to. You know, like you, we were talking just before the show started. You were saying, you know, all good actors are good listeners, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tell folks, part of your job is, as an actor or just as a person in life, part of the way of finding success is you got to listen. For what guys whispering in your ear, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that all the time that whispers in, but you got to be, uh, you got to be quiet enough at times that you can hear it, and then you got to be loud enough at times to make yourself heard, right? Um, and so it's that thing when you realize that this really, this thing that everybody else wants for you is not what is meant for you. Right. Um, you got to be, then you got to make yourself loud, but right. you got to be quiet enough to be able to hear that every once in a while. And the reality is, you know, there's a difference between surviving and thriving. Right. You know, you mm-hmm. don't want to just get by. You want to live. Right. And you realize, you know, I remember I, it was years. I went to my, my cousin's wedding back in Louisiana and uh, one of his friends, like my uh, my cousin, he, he was kind of like his little brother. Right. Uh, kind of like his, uh, his adopted little brother. 
And this dude was, you know, grown man now. And he said, what's it like? And I assumed he meant like acting. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I said, I said, what, being an actor? He goes, no, nah, like really enjoying what you do. Wow. Uh, because he was a, he was an accountant mm-hmm. and I was, I was knocked out by it. I was mm-hmm. like, how can you not enjoy like my accountant? The reason why my accountant is my accountant is because this dude's <laughs> geeked out by being able to do his yeah. calculator one handed. Like mm-hmm. he loves seeing the numbers right. match out. Like he enjoys that. Right. Uh, you don't have to enjoy every aspect of your job. Virtually nobody does. Even actors don't, but you got to mm-hmm. enjoy you got to find something in it that that gets you excited, that gets that makes you excited about going to work every once in a while, if not every day. And the way he said it, I felt like if there's nothing there, that's that's a problem, dude. You need to reevaluate your life. <laughs> really, because I know that like, when I tell people I have a degree in mathematics, you know, I also tell people I don't do my taxes. Because, you know, that is not what I do. You know what I'm saying? Just because I know yeah. numbers don't mean I know taxes. And I can agree with you. What you were saying is that, you know, I, when I look at a life, you know, longevity is really interesting when you start looking at decisions that you make. And, you know, and I don't question any decision I've made, George. I, I just live it because of the fact that it was the next step of opportunity. And if you live on regret, then you really you have an interesting life that you should sit down and think about it like your friend, like that person you talked about who's an accountant. He's living a life of regret, which is also going to spill over into other things, your relationship, how you raise your kids, and you have to be happy. What drives you to keep that, sustain that, you know, you're in shape, you know, you, 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 you're a working actor. How, what, 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 what sustains you, George? You know, what's funny is for me, it, it's, there's internal motivations and there's external motivations. Right. Like external motivations are like people telling you to do something, deadlines you got to do, and you right. need some of that. I mean, right. some of that's what keeps you, you know, going. You know, uh, you know, like if somebody still walk, walks up, they just pat you on the belly because you're getting a little big down there. Right. That's an external motivation. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ain't nobody looking for that. But um, the truth is, I enjoy how I feel when I exercise. You know, I grew up an athlete. I was captain of my track team. Mm-hmm. I grew up with, you know, friends, you know, you know, in, you know, playing football in the backyard on the regular. And so that's, I just like how I feel when I do that. That's that internal motivation is mm-hmm. I like knowing that I can still, you know, I'm not 25 anymore, but I like knowing that I can still outrun some 25 year olds. I right, know. Right. I like keeping that type. Right, I think right. that's a good look. I like that look. Um, <laughs> and the same thing is like, you know, when I discovered acting, it was, I discovered things in myself that were interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And when I play new characters, I discover new things about myself. And so there's that internal motivation of what can I find out about me? Let's see if I can pull this off. Let me see mm-hmm. if I can pull that off. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge. You know, the challenges are that internal motivation. And so for me, it's about finding some of those. Like, I know, like, you know, you want me to get something, you know, a script written or a paper written or something like that. I need a deadline. You know what I mean? But when it comes to working out or acting challenges, mm-hmm. that's the, mm-hmm. and I guess that's part of the thing as well. When you find out, you know, when you're trying to figure out what is that thing that you're in love with, if you don't need anybody else to push you because you push yourself, you're internally motivated. That's probably the thing you're meant to be doing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, if you just love looking at the challenge and running. And then that's the thing that for me, like, you know, I knew a dude when I, when I ran track who, you know, you're supposed to draft the people in front of you when you're running long distance. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, stay with the pack so you save some energy so you have some energy at the end to break out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he only had one speed, full out, right, full out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, if I'm not hitting my personal best, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And I, I understand the wisdom of both sides, but I always kind of feel the heat of what he's talking about. I got to be pushing me at the end of the day. So I, you know, I balance the two. It's like I may run with the pack for a little bit, but then when I break out, 
it's about getting my personal best. So right. you always got to be measuring yourself and it's got to be internally motivated. And that's what I said in the beginning when I set up the show is about, you know, we read other people's story, but what passion and what drive keeps you going? What's your planning? What's your committed effort? And that's what you talk about committed effort. Now, when I look at you, let's go over real. Jason, you're a handsome guy. On your show, we're going to get to a good story. It's going to be a good. It's not going to be a... I'll take it. I'll okay. take it. You, you can take it and, you, and keep it because you've been living with it all your life. And that's a good thing. Now on, now on, you know, Station 19, you got my boy, Boris Kojo, who I know really well. I've been knowing Boris yeah. through all these sitcoms. Good looking guy. And I think he's yeah. doing some of his best acting on this, on this, on, on Station 18. I mean, his, his nuances, his, uh, you know, uh, frustration, uh, uh, being a guy who has a drug issue and really showing a, a wrong character. And, and the reason I say that because a lot of casting goes in into how you look and then people will sometimes not give you credit because of how you look uh, or you was cast for this particular reason. And I'm, I'm so proud when I see what Boris is doing on Station 19 this season because of the fact that, you know, many years, I know I would cast him because he was a good-looking guy on sitcoms. You know, hey, we need a good-looking guy in the scene. Okay, let's, Boris, and he could act as well, and he can deal with comedic lines. What point in your brand or your career, because I remember, you know, Eve, you was the good-looking guy. You was the stud. You know, on, on Eve, you know, and so, but that was a good thing because you were getting a check and you was accomplishing your task. But in the process, you just want a job. So with all that being said, what, what's the ultimate goal? Getting a job or being respected for your acting? No, you want to be respected for your acting. Because look, I always look at it like, you know, it's, you know, it's like, uh, like I tell my kids, you know, like my kids are empirically speaking, good looking kids. Mm -hmm. they're, they're some beautiful children. Mm -hmm. and I tell them, that's your mom and me. They ain't got, you know, but if you're in shape, that's that you can say that's on you. Right. Uh, right. What you do in school, what you do, what you accomplish, what you create. You did that. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's like, so for me, getting, being respected as an actor is that thing. And so when I get things that challenge me that have nothing to do with a look or likability. And the fun thing is that also we're at a spot in, in film and television, where, especially in television, where um, likability is not necessarily the point. We want interesting. Mm -hmm. We want interesting. Mm -hmm. Like they threw Boris the whole, uh, you know, drug addiction situation. And that's when and he got a chance to show up what he's capable of, because, you know, you got to you got to get ugly for a second. Right. You got to go to an ugly place and you got to mm -hmm. do ugly things. And I love when I get opportunities to do that. I mean, I played, uh, you know, you know, war veterans who, who mm -hmm. uh, lose limbs and that sort mm -hmm. of thing. I, I played, you know, I mean, everybody forgets that, you know, in barbershop, I was, you know, even I played. Boyfriend and girlfriend in barbershop before yes. we were on the sitcom Eve. Right. And on Eve, I was a pretty good guy. In barbershop, I was a dog. Oh, you dog now. I was a dog. <laughs> and it was, you know, yeah. And, and playing and playing the playing people who break break the rules is mm -hmm. a lot more fun. Mm -hmm. Because I don't do that uh in, in real life. I don't break rules that I believe in in real life. Um, if I don't believe in your rules, then I'm gonna just keep it moving. And you know, that's and everybody who knows me, you know, is like I uh you know, it's better. I, my favorite phrase, my wife gets frustrated with it, is it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do what I need to do. Right. And then I'll, I'll find out if there's a rule saying I shouldn't do it later on. Um, but, you know, so if you do that in the character, that's that's much more interesting. So I'm much more interested in the challenges of acting than I am in how I look and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's like, you know, I love working out. I love right. work. I enjoy exercising. Right. But when it feels like it's an expectation, right. I, I want to go eat a pizza just to like, you know, tell people to step back, you mm -hmm. know, uh, I'm, I'm a little contrarian in that way, um, yeah, that's a good but, thing. That's but I'm good not thing. stupid. Right. I, you know, yeah. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to cut off my nose despite my face. Absolutely. You know, uh, Greg is at Grey's Anatomy. You know, you're regular, Dr. Ben Warren. Then you get the call. 
uh, we wanted to, uh, uh, you know, spin off and a new series. You know, there are no guarantees on a new series, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, how does that, you know, when they tell you they want you to do this, you know, Chandra Rhymes is asking you to do this, I'm assuming, to make this uh, move. So what were the thoughts running through your mind when this process was being formed? Because you have the ability to go between both a doctor and a firefighter in the series. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, when it first came up for, you know, when you first get the call that, you know, Shonda Rhimes wants, wants to talk to you at five o'clock today. You think, am I getting, you think, am I getting fired? Am I getting fired? Is this, is this that call? Is this that call? And then, uh, and then we, we got on the phone and, uh, Shonda and I have been working together for a few years at that point. And, uh, mm-hmm. and her producing partner, Betsy Beers is, is also a good friend. And, and they were like, listen, you know, we're talking about doing the spinoff series and we want, Ben to go from being a doctor to being a firefighter. And the uh, Stacey McKee, who created Station 19, had written one of the last episodes of Grey's Anatomy the previous season. Mm-hmm. And in that episode, there was a massive fire at the hospital. And Ben, at the time, you find out, was deathly afraid of fire. Mm-hmm. That, you know, dude had a phobia of fire. It's mm-hmm. not, his, not his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not feeling the fire. But he runs back in, grabs a firefighter's coat and runs back in to try and save a friend. Mm-hmm. And then when he doesn't die, that adrenaline junkie thing that they had already established in Ben that he he gets he, that he loves the adrenaline mm-hmm. uh, kicks in and he goes after the challenge and that's part of what leads to him becoming a firefighter. And I didn't realize they were going that route, but uh, it turns out they kind of set it up a little bit, you know, right. and, you know, for me to move in that direction. So it, I wasn't getting fired. I was in fact getting a new <laughs> job and got to be on the ground floor of building a new 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 part of the Grey's Anatomy world, a new part of Shondaland, which that's, that's the dream is you want to be part of, you know, Grey's Anatomy was Grey's Anatomy long before I came on. It was right. going to be Grey's Anatomy long after I left. Right. Mm-hmm. But I got to be part of helping create what Station 19 was from the ground. And so that challenge I was excited about. That's it. You know, believe I was like, but listen, you know, I'm still a doctor. So the show don't take <laughs> I can come back and be a doctor. Right. Right. You can come back and meet me. But, you know, but they're really like, it's going to be good, though. And it's been great. It's finally here, the season of celebration. And no matter how you celebrate with family and friends, whether you're preparing for Reyes Magos or Karamu, lighting the menorah, or going to midnight mass, Kohl's has just what you need to make those traditions special. Plus, you'll find gifts for all your loved ones. Send warm wishes with cozy fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. Or treat them to everyone's favorite activewear from top brands like Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide committed to the health and well-being of our communities. No matter how you celebrate, when you shop at Kohl's, you're right where you belong. So this season, give with all your heart with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com. Whether your event needed one room or an entire conference center, Hopin has revolutionized the way people come together. With Hopin, you can host a fully-fledged digital meetup complete with one-on-one meetings, hands-on sessions, and expo booths. And because everything is hosted in a single, easy-to-use platform, it can be as big or small as you want, remain convenient for anyone who wants to attend, and give you access to data you never would have known otherwise. Visit Hopin.com to learn more and get started. 
Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? Start the new year with otter.ai to generate automatic notes for meetings, interviews, or lectures. With otter.ai, you can search the meeting notes, insert images, play back the audio, and share them with your friends or coworkers. You can capture action items, remember meeting details, and keep everyone informed. Otter.ai works for in-person or virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up for free at otter.ai or download the app for free. Otter.ai, that's O. You know, but the interesting thing about this is we talk about acting and, you know, because there's credibility in each role. You know, there's the physicality of being a firefighter in Station 18, but there's the intellect and the caring and the passion and the bedside manner that comes with being a doctor in Grey's Anatomy. The dynamics and preparing for each role. Tell us about first Grey's Anatomy and then transitioning over to the physicality of Station 18. Was it an easy transition? What the more difficulties on Grey's Anatomy as a doctor. I don't know if easy is the word I would use. I mean, listen, you know, Grey's Anatomy is, you know, you've got language that you're using, yes. all the you know, crazy amounts of Latin words and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, which I took Latin a little bit in high school because mm-hmm. when I thought I was going to be a lawyer, mm-hmm. I was like, so, you know, hominem, you know, you say word, you know, like, you know, I don't remember what any of the words mean, but I can say them. Right. <laughs> I can say them. And I know I know how the sounds should come out. So I can sound like a doctor real easy. That, that part came easily to me. And plus, Doctors are wearing basically pajamas all day. You're right. in your scrubs, right. you're chilling mm-hmm. all day. My mm-hmm. my uh, my my play cuz is a. I lived with him when I first came out here. He's an anesthesi L A. He's an anesthesiologist. Right. I think I saw him outside of scrubs twice in three years. Right. Um. You know, and so we do a lot of eye acting when you're in surgery, you're standing in one spot. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of it is your your face is covered Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you're looking intensely with your eyes during the surgery and that sort of thing. So it's about getting focused. It's about turning it into a laser beam, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, All the energy that you have as an actor. And that's all interesting and fun. And, uh, but then when you go to station 19, just the, the outfit you're wearing, the turnouts, the fireproof Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. gear that the firefighters wear that weighs 45 pounds plus another 15, 20 pounds of the oxygen tank that we rock on our back. Mm-hmm. So you got 60 pounds of gear wow. that you're wearing and you've got to get dressed in this gear, head to toe, zipped up so it's fireproof inside of a minute. Mm. And the truth is, real firefighters will tell you, if you take longer than 30 seconds, they're going to talk bad about you. Um, <laughs> so while you technically have a minute, if, you t- if, you, if you're at 40 seconds, 45 seconds, they're like, mm, dude, you don't get to go to the fire with me. You got to go to the B shift. Right. A shift shift get it done in 30 seconds. So getting dressed is hard. You know, you understand that there's a whole other level of physicality. Right. Uh, And I was ready for that. I was ready to bust out physically. And so running upstairs and I, you know, I told him first out, I said, look, I have no fear of heights. Right. I love jumping off of stuff and dangling from. So I said, so you pretty much put me through it, do it. And so they would get mad at me for the first couple of seasons because they'd have a 40 foot ladder going up Mm -hmm. to the fourth story of the building. And, don't tell me to climb it if you only want me to climb like six steps and y'all cut because I'll get up 20, 30, you know, I'll be up to the second, third floor. They're like, they're yelling. They're like, insurance won't let you do that. <laughs> oh, Stop wow. It. Stop okay. it. And I was like, yo, y'all gave me a ladder. So I'm going to climb it. That's, mm-hmm. that's how I was, you know I mean? That's how I get down. So mm-hmm. it, uh, it's definitely a different thing. And then trying to find a way to bring that intensity into the acting and into the performances while still bringing in the fact that these, these firefighters care so much about the people. Right. That's the fun thing is that when you're standing still and talking to people over their bed in a hospital, it's easier to let that caring come through, that emotion, that empathy come right. through. But when you're trying to drag somebody out of a fire, when you're trying to drag somebody out of a situation or carry them over your shoulder and that sort of thing, it's, 
finding a way to let that empathy be seen. Because the reality is, if you've ever met a firefighter, if you've met any of these first responders, they have the biggest hearts. I mean, they, they have gallows humor like doctors do in the same kind. They'll make jokes just like soldiers do. In a, right. You know, like they'll make jokes that are inappropriate in so mm-hmm. many ways because they see the worst things in the world. Right. But you want to see a firefighter in tears in their eyes, let them see when a kid gets hurt. Wow. Um, catch them when a kid gets hurt. And then you realize how big their hearts are. And so that for me was, or how much they care about each other. Like uh, the, um, we had this one, one of our fire tech consultants uh, showed me this documentary they made back when he was in Detroit and he called him his fire dad. He would point to this one gentleman. Now this is a, this is a young white guy, uh, but his fire dad was his old brother, this old black gentleman uh, back there. And as soon as he started talking about him, his eyes get teary because he loves that man so much. Wow. He said he taught me about being a firefighter, taught me about being a man, taught me about how to, you know, how to survive emotionally when you lose people. And that lets, that's the thing that emotionally has been the most fun as an actor. The physicality is all great and fun, but you need to find a way to get that level and depth of emotion uh, that these men and women have to come out in the middle of all that action. And that's been the challenge. And that's been the most fun part is I think the writer set us up and I feel like the entire cast does a beautiful job. Of well, the thing about the show, I call um, Station 19. I'm talking to J- interviewing Jason George, one of the stars of Station 19 on Thursday, March 11th. It returns 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ABC. I tell the series is a tell it like it is series. You know, you have strong black dynamic character storylines, great uh, gay and lesbian transgender storylines. And mm-hmm. it plays itself out in a real world environment. You have under, you know, commitment, non-commitment. That's a lot of dynamics. You have family. In fact, in the season end, you had to deal with the death in your family and revealing that information out to your children. Talk about that. those those different when you had a table read or you going through all these characters and your character plays a major role and and, and, and seamlessly has to associate itself with all these different lifestyles, these different uh, emotions, but, the, but keeping it real, though. That's what I really enjoy about the series Station 19. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a beautiful situation because it's what's happening more and more in television and film yes. in general, but mm-hmm. Shondaland was kind of right at the crest of that wave that mm-hmm. we're going to tell a diverse group of stories and make everybody realize that your story is not that different from my story. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, and so the, the diversity that we have on screen is largely supported by the fact that they have diversity in the writer's room. Right. And diversity, you know, I mean, I've never worked with more female directors, more directors of color, black directors, um, than I have since I've been in Shondaland. And so when you have that behind the scenes, that lets real authentic stories get told on screen. Right. And so when we get into that, it, it makes it, you know, it makes it really interesting and, 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 and uh, fun as an actor to play. It's a, it presents these challenges. And so we're able to tell all these different aspects that haven't always gotten much play on, you know, on television. I mean, the reality is, we, you know, there's a term in, uh, in, uh, in black Hollywood, uh, you know, I started my career as the BBS oftentimes, the black best friend. Right. You know, my job was to show up and, uh, and ask the white male lead, you know, hey, man, how was your day? Right. So he can talk about his love problems and mm-hmm. things going on in his life. And I mm-hmm. go, well, it's tough. And then that's that's my job. Mm-hmm. You know, and I collect my check and go home. But now everybody, everybody uh, has a real full life. And the right. fact that, you know, Shonda Rhimes is why they create these ensemble shows to make sure that everybody, and, and it also works great for an actor because, you know, I've got an episode that we're about to shoot starting this week mm-hmm. where I'm in almost every scene. 
and I'm, I'm working every day. And then we'll have an episode, two episodes from now where I'll show up for two days. Right. And because they rotate, it means I get right. to, as an actor, get to have a life outside of the show. Um, I get to be with my family, my kids. And then I'm like, by the way, kids, you're not going to see me this week. Dad's going to go to work at six o'clock in the morning, come home at eight or nine o'clock. And you're not going to see me much because I'm in deep this one. But then a couple of weeks after that, you know, they get to see me and I get to be around. So they, uh, that diversity creates a big atmosphere, big ensemble, and they get to tell a lot of different kinds of stories, which is what I think America needs right now is they need to hear some of the stories that haven't been told all those underrepresented communities that have been dying to see themselves and hear their own stories told. Uh, now we're starting to get told more and more on television, especially on shows like station 19. Well, if station 18, when it comes back, like I said earlier, you know, that, uh, in the season finale, you know, it's a dramatic one. You know, uh, I guess it was a sexual trafficking situation that was broken up in the mm-hmm. end. Uh, the police showed up. I didn't really want to show up. And, you know, uh, my man Miller, he got arrested. And then uh, Sullivan, he hit, I think he hit a cop. He got arrested. And then we're at that world that we're in today, the, kind of like the George Floyd world that we're in, where cops yeah. don't have an understanding of people of color, of people. Was that was that important to see that play out on your show? Because like I was telling everybody, Station 18, you want to see a real slice of life as it plays out and character relationships. In other words, we all can get along if we understand each other's values. That's that, that finale was powerful to me. How does that lead into the premiere episode March 11th? Oh, we're going to pick up with that storyline. I mean, that storyline is going to travel through for a little bit uh, mm-hmm. of the difficulties with it. I mean, we did a, we did a story last season where uh, we were all, all the firefighters were meeting with a, a therapist, a, right. a psychiatrist, and we were talking out our, our problems. And you find out that recently Ben had a scenario where a police officer pulled him out of the car and made him lay face down on the ground. Right. Until uh, he got his wallet out and that sort of thing based on nothing, based on nothing that Ben had done. A uh, scenario that, you know, most black people, certainly, you know, I as a black man have lived a couple of different times, um, you know, driving while black. And it was a powerful episode because the whole idea, the reason why that was powerful for me to do and why I really want to make sure that it happened was that people want to say, well, George Floyd was doing, was he, was he writing a bad check? Was he, well, he was in the middle of committing a crime. Well, if he hadn't been someplace doing something with the wrong people. And I'm like, no, here's what you're not hearing. It doesn't matter who you were with, what yes. you were doing. Driving while black can happen to anybody, yes. including a firefighter, surgeon, uh, anesthesiologist. Right. You know, one of the good ones mm-hmm. because they don't know who you are right. until they until they get to know you. And mm-hmm. right now, you're just a black man in the car. Right. So that that kind of that level of judgment was important to show that who you are and what you are about and all your accomplishments. They can't see that up front, um, and so they can't see the firefighter outfit. But then, but then, uh, credit to uh, Okriete Anadwan, who uh, plays Dean Miller. Oak, uh, mm-hmm. everybody calls him, who plays Dean Miller. He really helped push and said, we, that storyline can't just be a one-off. And so that's one of the Thank reasons you. why, and God bless Krista Vernoff, our showrunner. She's really about making great entertainment, but also trying to make people think, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. educate a little bit. Maybe you're going to have to deal with these issues. So they brought it back, and that's where you have uh, you know, these firefighters who are out of uniform getting treated some kind of way by police officers. You know, and and this, it, I think they do a beautiful job of making a balance because there's the one cop who is not having any of it. You know, you know, and puts the you know slams Dean on the the hood of the car, and then there's another cop who you know has a problem with it, but he's not the superior officer, so he just kind of goes along. 
Yo, and, when it all uh, started, when they slammed, the when they slammed the young girl's mother on the hood of the car, that's what that's what exactly. just got it all triggered. Treating a woman like that, you know, in public exactly. like that. That's but what is it treating thing. a woman like that and treating her like that because you don't necessarily believe the situation is, yes. that you yes. don't give the credibility to them when she says my child is stuck in there. You know, right. and uh, and the show's done a lot of different things. I mean, like you know, there's an episode where uh, Chandra Wilson, uh, who plays Bailey, my character's wife, on the show. Uh, was a beloved character, phenomenal actress. They did a few episodes where she had a heart attack, mm-hmm. and the doctors are trying to tell her, you're, "You're not, you're not having a heart attack." And she's like, "I am a chief of surgery at Graceland <laughs> Memorial. I know what's going because black women present heart attacks, heart mm-hmm. problems different mm-hmm. than white men, right? Uh, different than white folks." And she and it's like, "Your assumptions of me are different because." And they just did an episode on Grace where they did it same thing with a. Uh, an Asian American character, because there are, there are health problems that present differently mm-hmm. in the Asian American community, you know, and it's and just hit. They hit those issues that there's, you know, a million different, you know, sexual aids for men, but mm-hmm. that many for women mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, who's in charge makes the rules. So they're just trying to point up all those different things. So but they fought to bring that storyline back about the social justice. Right. In this show. Right. And uh, use sex trafficking because, you know, and I've been pushing for that storyline on the show wow. for a while. And it's. And they want to write everything. They want to put everything in the show. So it can't necessarily fit in right away. But, you know, I remember I was having a meeting with uh, Karen Bass, Congresswoman Karen Bass. Mm-hmm. And she said, listen, you all need to put this on the show. This is a few years ago. And she mm-hmm. said, you know, that the number one trafficked human being in America is a 14 year old black girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if those stats have changed since we first talked. I pray that they have. Mm-hmm. But believe that young black girls are still the um, among, the, if not the most trafficked human beings on the planet. And so the writers wrote that into the show. And it, for me, that's that's why I'm so proud of the show, is that they're going to have those conversations and make folks at home get their entertainment. You're going to get your entertainment. You're going to get your sexy. You're going to have your feels and clutch right. your pearls. But you're also going to have a conversation about does that really happen? And the answer right. is yes. Yes, right. it's happened. And it's happening in neighborhoods you would not expect, in places you would not assume. Uh, and typically, you know, America doesn't care as much when they're, you know, darker skinned uh, young girls. When they're blonde hair and blue eyed, they stay on the news. Yeah. Um, but when they're, you know, young black women, typically not as much. And then that's reflected in the fact that the cop doesn't believe them when they tell them that there's young girls being trapped. And so it's all these assumptions and biases that people have. Right. And it's not about saying anybody's a horrible, evil human being out the box inherently, but it's about saying you have bias and you got to recognize that because if you can't recognize your bias, then you're, you're not helping me. Wow. You, in fact, can be part of my problem. He plays the character, Dr. Ben Warren. Now he's playing firefighter Ben Warren on Station 19 Thursday, March 11th. They're coming back on ABC. Uh, Jason George, I always call you Ben. Uh, Jason George. <laughs> and now, right. I answer to it all. I, answer, oh, look, I grew up in a family. I got, I got, I'm one of three boys, Johnny, Jason, Jarvis. And so I answer to anything. <laughs> j- 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 you know I'm talking to you. I'm absolutely, like, yeah, absolutely. I know. So if you my say man, Ben, I got you. Hey, my man, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Tell your story because, you know, I, I air on a lot of HBCU school affiliates and uh, it's just a, just a growing market of being able to let black people see real black people tell their stories 
and their rise and being consistently part of the process. And you're part of the process because I want to bring you back on because you have a lot of stuff you do with unions in the community. But more importantly, they got you on there to talk about the premiere. And I wanted to make sure I did that correctly about Station 18. This Thursday, March 11th, make sure you guys don't miss it because you won't miss this guy. He's on TV all the time. He'll be dancing between Grey's Anatomy. He'll be doing Station 19. He's a great actor. He's a great friend. Jason George, thanks for coming on Money Making Conversation. Oh, appreciate it, man. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. I'll come back anytime. Appreciate you. you make it if you easy. want to hear more money interviews on Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. In this season of giving, Kohl's has gifts for all your loved ones. For those who like to keep it cozy, find fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Or support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide. Give with all your heart this season with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com. Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? There is a better way. Start the new year with otter.ai. Automatically get meeting notes. Otter.ai works for virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up on the web for free or download in the app stores. Otter.ai. That's O-T-T-E-R A-I. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tomorrow's Mega Millions jackpot is over $300 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.